Hello and welcome to The Dirt, a bite-sized loan podcast where we answer some of the burning questions that we get on a daily basis from grain growers about how to improve soil health and why soil carbon is such an important part of your soil. I'm Dan Reid, Grower Comms and Extension Manager at Loam. I'm from a grain and sheep farm just outside of Tamora in the Riverina, New South Wales. The purpose of this podcast is to answer the common questions that we get when we talk to farmers. Please give us a follow on socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and send any questions through, and we'll do our best to answer them in the next show. As always, Loam recommends you getting advice from your own agronomists and financial advisors. Part of our uh, On the Ground in Orange series, I'm here again with Guy Webb and Phil Peterson. It's great to see you guys. You're looking well. You too, Dan. All right, today, boys, we're going to be talking about building carbon in soil. Great topic. What we'll cover today is... Do I need to change my management practices to build carbon? What change will make the most difference? Is there a ceiling on the amount of carbon you can build? And what are the co-benefits of building soil carbon? So we might start with you, Phil. Sure. Do I need to change my management practices to build soil carbon? Uh, Great question. It really depends on what your management practices are to start with. If you're cultivating once a year and burning stubbles, then my suggestion would be, yes, you do need to change your management practices if you want to build carbon. You could use our beneficial fungal endophyte and it will assist you in building more carbon than if you didn't have it. But if you entered a carbon project, which is at this stage how you access the uh, endophyte from loam, probably cease those activities because they are when you say cultivating once like that's not including the sowing you're talking about say harrowing or 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 running the discs through over summer to get rid of some wire weed or something don't necessarily i'm not trying to bag or boohoo any type of machinery so rather than being specific but I, i like disking while it does have some management Advantages. Advantages, thank you. Has some management advantages because it's easier to get this, the sowing plant through the uh, through the soil, et cetera, et cetera, and it chops up weeds and, and might re- reduce your resistance to herbicides, et cetera. Yep. It oxygenates and mixes up the soil. And as I've mentioned to you before, Dan, whenever you oxygenate the soil, then you speed up metabolism in the soil and mineralisation and you're going to be burning carbon. So... The change in management practices really is only thinking about those activities that are withdrawals from the carbon bank. So to use an analogy, if you have a carbon bank and you had 1% of organic carbon in your soil down to one metre, that is equivalent of, that would be the same as 477 tonnes of CO2e, which is the unit of measure that we can sell carbon at. So if you then uh, do management practices that reduce your with carbon withdrawals, less cultivation, less stubble burning, plant legumes uh, as in clovers uh, or legume crops, use the loam beneficial endophyte fungi to build carbon, then you will have more deposits than withdrawals. So you will build your soil carbon. So I think the short answer to what your question was is, do I need to change my management practices? Depends. 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 So you've sort of, and I guess you've, you've probably partially answered 
the next question, which what change will make the most difference? Obviously, disturbance of the soil is probably the biggest thing to reduce. Yes. Yeah, soil disturbance and retaining the organic matter you've got in your crops. There's a lot of talk in the marketplace these days about having uh, total, trying to keep your ground covered with green growing plants for as long as possible. Now, I understand there's uh, environmental conditions that change the ability of the plant to be green and growing. In our hot summers, that doesn't always work. But the longer we can have green growing plants, the, the, the cooler the soil will be, there'll be less exhaust of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere from the carbon cycle that has to that is the labile carbon breaking down yep. we've mentioned before and if you so those practices that i was just mentioning the keeping a green will help build the carbon as will legume crops and as we'll be using beneficial biology like the the loam endophyte uh, fungi to help build carbon one of the things I'd um, add to that is um, when you drive through the landscape before sowing uh, through the wheat belt of Australia, we see fires going up everywhere. The last couple of years on big years, yep. particularly. Um, big stubble loads. Big stubble loads and how are we going to get our gear through it uh, and so on. And um, to use the red steer, uh, the match is um, is quite an efficient way, of obviously, to get rid of that stubble load and cheap and cheap and uh, and get your machine through to be able to get the crop in the ground. Um, and on these really wet years, um, drying out the, the ground a bit so that so you can actually get on the country. It's a terrible looking thing as you drive through the landscape to see all the smoke, and I'm certainly not advocating for it. But the context is around the amount of carbon that you're storing in soil may not be as strongly correlated with the amount of stubble you either burn or don't burn. I would always preference stubble retention, yep. but if it's one step back and two steps forward for the, to make sure that your crop is going to do its very best in the actual growing season, then you've got to think about it in that context. And when you think about burning stubble, it's an oxidation process. When we burn something, it's oxygen, you know, um, it's an oxidation process. Yep. When you leave stubble on the surface and just sitting there, it's also an oxidation process. It oxidizes just really slowly without a flame. Yeah. So when you think of it in those terms, stubble burning is, is just uh, really speeding up that oxidation process. The stubble on top of the surface uh, or standing stubble or it is not really contributing to the soil organic carbon pool because it's not going in. It's just oxidizing slowly on the surface. What it does do, however, is that is the context that's most important for growers to think about is what's it doing for my following crop? So if I maintain that stubble, will it keep the wind off the deck? Yeah. Will it keep the soil cooler? Yep. Uh, Erosion, the... retained moisture. Yep. All those things. That's how you sort of that's the lens that you're looking at it through. Saying what what are the agronomic benefits that stubble's giving me that'll make my crop grow better in season? Then I'll be storing carbon. If that question ends up as going, well, actually, I'd grow a better crop if I burn this stubble this year. Under yep. these particular circumstances, that it's a really big uh, residue layer, won't be able to get the crop sown properly, yep. um, it's going to be too wet to get on, or those sorts of things, then there is an argument for burning the stubble, getting on it, and getting your crop growing. But it's it's certainly, I think it's an overused practice, uh, for sure, but there is conditions where strategically has its place. one step back, two steps forward is how you're kind of thinking about it yeah. uh, from a carbon sequestration I, point of view. I know over the last two or three years it's been a bit of a hot topic like disc seeders, tine seeders, big stubble loads, 
spray contact onto the ground for weeds and there's also there's all sorts of difference and so it'll depend on your situation and season and your and your soil types and everything like like anything that we talk about here can be suited to your to, to your farm or not depending on the season i'd just like to uh you know so i guess add to that this year we've had um a lot of districts have had a lot of rain wet harvest bog machinery etc a lot of wheel tracks and it may be pertinent in some situations to do a cool burn to get rid of that trash so you can actually get rid of those bog marks and et cetera. So, uh, but I'm sure the farmers know uh, what they've got to do there. But it's not all lost because you've done one crop burn. No, that's right. It's a strategic. One, one of the tools in the toolboxes, I guess, it can, like any tool, can be overused. Strategic tillage can be something else, I guess, if, uh, you know, if you've got a massive flea bane problem and you just can't get rid of it and you, you've got um, no chemicals are going to touch it and they're laughing at all the chemicals you throw at it and you've got to bring in a, a kelly chain or something like that, depending on the soil uh, type and the, the texture. But um, if that plant is, that weed is going to impact on your ability to grow that crop in the season, then again, one step back, two steps forward. Like if you can grow a big crop in season where you you're um, putting a lot of carbon into the soil through your root biomass, through your root exudates and, and so on, and you've got the carbon fungi inoculating onto that crop, that's your sequestration opportunity there. So it's it's really no different to how we look about, how we think about growing the grain itself. It's all those agronomics around how we make the plant perform as best as we can uh, for maximising that grain yield. It's uh, basically very similar agronomics to how we maximise the carbon sequestration event under the ground as well. The only caveat to that is, as you mentioned earlier, um, Dan, is around the tillage. That we can take tillage out of the equation. That's really the big one because any time we mix the soil up, we expose it to oxygen and oxygen burns the carbon out of the soil. The other practice that is of great interest too is stimulating the size of the root mass. The mathematics of it is really simple, that you're trying to get kilos or tonnes of carbon material under the soil, <laughs> into, yeah. the, into, the, into the paddock. And, you know, the primary entry point of that carbon is roots. Now, that's a very obvious thing to say, but, but we may not think about it so much. So the only way carbon gets really into the soil is through plant roots. And so the bigger the plant roots, the more opportunity there is of that carbon uh, staying in the ground, particularly if we're um, introducing specific fungal organisms that helps help to stabilise that carbon. So canola, or obviously you've got a loam has a, has a product for canola, a yep. large rooted plant, um, yep. had a lot of success with that in, in the trials over the last three years. Yep, that's right. Big roots means more carbon. And um, so plant selection, stimulating the, the crop of choice to have a bigger roots. And, you know, there's been a lot of work done over the years with stimulating roots and there's a range of different ways we can do that using calcium. Um, you know, it's the reason why we use um, starter fertiliser. Um, you know, phosphorus is a, is a great root stimulant. Um, our zinc levels are really critical for um, root biomass. Uh, manganese is another one that stimulates root biomass. So all those things we sort of think about agronomically, how do we make sure we get a bigger set of roots? And, of course, if you've got a bigger set of roots, you grow a better plant and high-yielding crop as well. Yeah. Um, so they're the main ones. That, uh, try to get tillage out of, the, out of the game as much as we can and think about how you get a bigger set of roots. And you, they're the big rocks, I guess, um, yep. in that carbon sequestration game. That um, brings us to a close, gentlemen, for our 
little session here this afternoon. So thanks a lot. As always, it's been uh, excellent having a, a yarn and um, I look forward to our next chat. Thanks, Dan. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, Guy. So please hit subscribe to this podcast if you found today's episode useful for yourself or for someone else. Send it on to them and follow Loam Bio on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn for the latest updates from us. And thanks for listening and have a great day.